0: Yes, yes, welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, and very pleased today to bring you another guest from the St. Louis political world. Today, our guest is State Senator Jamila Nasheed. Jamila is running for the President of the Board of Aldermen against Megan Green and incumbent Lewis Reed. One of the things I'm going to attempt to do much better in 2019 than I did when we started this in 2017 or 2018 is just get right to the interview. Because I know when I'm listening to podcasts and the host, even if I'm a big fan of the host, goes on and on and on. I'm like, ah, I just want to hear your guest. That's why I tuned in. So I'm getting out of the way. Ladies and gentlemen, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, here is Jamil and on the Tim McKernan Show. Well, Senator, it is a pleasure to have you in. Thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me, Tim.
0: Um, I I always love these conversations because I love to find out how people got to the moment where they were elected because there's usually a pretty fascinating story to it. So what was the start of your journey?
1: Well, let me tell you about a little girl that grew up in the Doris Webby housing projects with my grandmother and three siblings. I'm that little girl. I grew up uh, down there with my grandmother because my father came home from the Vietnam War. And he was shot and killed by way of a drive-by shooting while my mother was pregnant nine months with me and my twin brother.
0: Your father was shot in a drive-by in the Doris Webby Project. Here I go. Oh, okay. So,
1: okay. so imagine escape, escaping the Vietnam. Vietnam to have been shot by way of a drive-by shooting. So my mother fell into a deep depression. And two years later, she committed suicide. So I I had to grow up with my grandmother poverty, with no one to call mom or dad, very angry with the world, mad at society because I had to live in poverty. And I became a juvenile delinquent at the age of 14, in and out of uh, the juvenile detention home. My grandmother really didn't know what to do with me, uh, but she never gave up on me, you know. And um, I was pushed out of the St. Louis Public Schools because I had fell too far behind in my credits. Fast forward, at the age of 19, I opened a bookstore. I would leave the school, high school Roosevelt, and I would go to this bookstore called Progressive Emporium. And I would go there after lunch every day, because it was very intriguing to me to be in that bookstore. And so, again, I fell so far behind after leaving after, uh, for lunch, and they pushed me out of the system. I would hang out in the bookstore there without my grandmother even knowing. And um, 19 years old, I decided to open a bookstore because the bookstore changed my life.
0: Wow, Opening up a business at 19, I don't care what it is, that's a, that's a major step, major accomplishment.
1: Yeah, I did that for 10 years. I owned and operated the bookstore for 10 years. And while owning and operating the bookstore, I also became an activist. There was a development going on in um, the city of St. Louis on Highway 70, and they had little to no minority participation. And myself and 300 people uh, went down on uh, 70, shut the highway down, and uh, we went to jail for civil disobedience. I've been protesting ever since.
0: Now, some people, especially I would imagine a number of people who are listening to this podcast, would go... Why did you go that route as opposed to a different route where other people who weren't involved, like the people traveling on 70, were affected? And I'm curious what your explanation would be for that.
1: Why did I go the route of shutting the highway down? Yeah,
0: shutting the highway down in in, in that manner. What What was it that you felt like you needed to do? Why, as opposed to a different route?
1: Well, you know, sometimes you have to shake the system up. And we thought that, you know, we would get the the, he, the ear of those individuals that were doing development, meaning MoDOT, if we went to that extreme. And we went to that extreme. Just like many other uh, activists before us, they had to go to the extreme in order to change things, right? Mm-hmm. And so we went to that extreme. And as a result of that, Mel Cornahan decided that he was going to open up a construction prep center in the city of St. Louis, where young men and women can go and learn trades such as electrical, plumbing, pipe fitting. And so, you know, it was a a movement that had to happen Mm -hmm. in order to be able to get results.
0: And so you say you've been protesting ever since. What would be some other examples?
1: Well, I also protested uh, the Metrolink expansion. The Southbury, Buzz Westfall. Right. We were fighting with Buzz Westfall at the time. There were no minority inclusion there. And, and and it's all about, you know, making sure that it's equitable across uh, the uh, spectrum when it comes to job opportunities mm-hmm. for African-Americans. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer that, you know, if you don't have a job, you're going to either pick up a gun or you're going to pick up a hammer. OK, And so job opportunities for for African-Americans was important to me then, and it's it's important to me now. And so we shut down the Metrolink expansion. And as a result of that, you know, we had got a memorandum of understanding where you had approximately $2 million going to uh, minorities on the job in terms of uh, being able to get them the tools they needed to perform on that job and things of that sort.
0: Okay. So you, you become an activist. How do you go from activists to running for office?
1: Well, you know, that's a great question. When you're an, an activist, you really don't like politicians. Right. You know, you like, uh, they only come around when they want your vote. And, uh, and I was that person. I was that same person. I didn't like politicians, but I love being a politician maker. So I would, you know, actually help people with their campaigns, get elected. And someone came to me and said, Jamila. It's time for you to go on in the inside. You have to go into the inside. I'm like, go into the inside? I don't want to be a part of no politician. <laughs> politics, you know? And so they said, do it. And lo and behold, I put my name on the ballot. I ran against uh, uh, Sharon Tyus. She was the alderman at the time and uh, was a 12-year veteran on the Board of Aldermen. And what are you Board running of of for alderman. at this
0: point? What was, your, what was your office you were running for at this point? The first State rep. State rep, okay. Of the 60th what District.
1: Was that was 2006.
0: 2006, all right.
1: So I ran for state rep.
0: So you go from bookstore slash activist to put your name on the ballot. Correct. All right.
1: And I um, I didn't think that I had a chance of winning. So I uh, put my my name uh, on the ballot, ran against a very formidable person, right. Sharon Tyus. She's an attorney, used to be a uh, public defender. And I ran also against Amber Barkins, who was the state rep at the time. She was terming out, so her husband was running to take her seat. And, um, I, again, I didn't believe that I would win. So the numbers were coming in on Election Day, and we had uh, the absentee ballots. They were coming in first, and I was basically losing. And so I said, well, I guess I'll go lay down somewhere. And all I can hear was screaming and hollering, right? And I'm like, what is going on in there? And they said, oh, you won. (laughs) I was like, oh, now here is the real work. (laughs) The
0: real work begins now. (laughs) What do you think? I was shocked. Well, I mean, that's amazing. So you didn't expect that you were going to win. What what do you think that you did in your campaign that resonated with people? Because clearly something worked.
1: Well, I've always been on the front line, you know, fighting for issues that impacts the quality of life for the most indigent uh, in our community. And so they know. And they knew at that time that I was a fighter, Mm -hmm. you know, and that I will roll up my sleeves and try to fight for the betterment of the city of St. Louis as a whole. And I went there, got elected, first order of business. We had children that had dropped out of the public school system to the tune of like 10,000. And I was like, man, if we don't educate them, we're going to incarcerate them. There is no in between. Mm -hmm. We have to get them back into the public school system. So I went to Dr. Borisov at the time. She was the superintendent. And I told her, I said, listen, I want to go after those young kids that was either pushed out or dropped out of the system. She said, how are you going to do it? I said, I'm going to do it the same way I got elected. I'm going to knock on doors. And uh, we did that. She opened up a school called Fresh Start. To this day, Fresh Start still uh, exists. We graduated over 2,000 kids that wasn't doing anything with their lives. Uh, They had dropped out of the system or either either were pushed out of the system. And they're back in school. Many of them gone on to ranking. Some of them went to the army, community college. Yeah. You know, so that was my first order of business when I got there.
0: Hey, Ryan Kelly is a great sponsor of this podcast. As a matter of fact, he's the studio sponsor of this podcast and has been since we started. He's online at the Ryan Kelly and his incredible staff with us from the very beginning. And the reason why, well, because I know that if you are in the market to buy a home or refinance, there's only one place you want to go, and that's Ryan Kelly online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Whereas other places have shut down or had to make cuts, Ryan Kelly keeps growing. Why? Because he runs a great business where people truly do save money, and the process, whether it be of closing on a new home or refinancing, is made easier because of his staff. Ryan, good people, saving you money Buying a home, refinancing, only one name to know and one place to go. And that's the thehomeloanexpert.com, the sponsor of our studios on the Tim McKernan Show. That's, a, that's quite an accomplishment. What are some of the other accomplishments you look back now? We're talking about 12 years where you go, man, I'm glad that somebody did say you ought to get involved. Yeah. And you look back now and you say, yeah. man, if I wouldn't have run, this wouldn't have happened.
1: Yeah. So, again, we have uh, a crime problem in the St. Louis area. And I think that's what's causing a lot of people to not want to come uh, to the ballpark village or hang out at the Cardinals games. So we have to change those dynamics. And how we do it is we have to look at the root cause of the problem, education and jobs. I knew at the time when I got elected that young men and women have made mistakes in the past. They go out and they fill out applications First thing on application is, have you ever been convicted of a right. felon? I said, if we want to change the dynamics in this city, we have to ban the box. And I went to Slay, Slay Mayor Slay, former Mayor Slay, and uh, the governor, and I told them, I may not be able to get this bill passed, but I want you all to do an executive order, banning the box on the state level as well as the state, city level. And they did just that. And to this day... Young men and women, they don't have to um, fill out the application with, have you ever been convicted of a felon? Not to say you cannot go back and check their record, mm-hmm. but you do it on the back end, mm-hmm. not on the front end, because that was one of the biggest barriers for job opportunities for those individuals that were wanting to change their life and do the right thing.
0: That they would have to check that box. Exactly. Okay.
1: And so, you know, when I become president of the Board of Aldermen, I'm going to lobby the private sector. If they really want to reduce crime in this city, they're going to have to take a more holistic approach.
0: And what would that approach be? Because so many people, it doesn't matter where you are. I grew up in the city. My family still lives in the city. And people talk about crime. You know, people talk about crime. When you say holistic approach, what do you think some of the measures are that could be taken, like what you did with making reference to banning the box? Education.
1: We have an educational system that is not working. Children are graduating from the kindergarten to the 12th grade, not knowing how to read on a third grade level. If we want to see change in our city, we're going to have to take education serious. A lot of those children, they're living below the poverty level. They don't have a father and a mother in the home. Single mother trying to to raise their children, working three jobs what we have to do is we have to get the public and the private sector involved in after-school programs. We have to get them involved in funding uh, the recreational facilities in the city so that they can get off the streets and do something productive with their lives and with, their, you know, why their mother or father are at work. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the type of things that we're really going to have to do. We're going to have to put more monies towards truancy. We have children that are walking up and down the streets each and every day, 12 years old, 13 years old, not in school. We can't allow that. So we really have to roll up our sleeves and begin to take a, a more holistic approach. A lot of those children, they are traumatized because they walk up and down the streets each and every day, and all they see is vacant and abandoned buildings day after day. You tell me if you had to walk up and down the street and all you see is hopelessness, how would, how would it impact your life? Right, right. And so we have some great things happening in the St. Louis area. But we have to make sure that it's happening across neighborhoods, not in just certain areas of the city, but the overall city. We have IKEA, Cortex. We have a lot of great development south of Del Mar. We have buildings going up in the central west end. But when you go north of Del Mar, it's deplorable. It's like a war zone. And to have someone on the board of ENA, the president of the board of aldermen, on the board of ENA and North St. Louis look like that, something's wrong.
0: So that's uh, in in reference to to, to Lewis Reed, uh, one of the people that you'll be running against here coming up. How would you say, uh, and there may be multiple ways, uh, Senator, that you differ from, let's start with with Lewis Reed, with your vision for St. Louis and what he has done as president of the board. And that's
1: nothing. He hasn't done anything. You know, his claim to fame just this session was to get a uh, non-binding resolution passed for uh, the stadium. Which really, MLS, the, you're making yeah, efforts. the MLS, which didn't do anything. You know, my effectiveness is what you know defines me, and how I've been able to work on the state level with Republicans and Democrats to get things done for the city of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. You know, I was able to bring home twenty-eight million dollars. I serve on a budget that oversees twenty-eight billion dollars. I've passed legislation under the control of the Republican House, Senate, and not to mention the governor's mansion. Because I truly understand at the end of the day, you have to find compromise. And you have to be able to work with your colleagues. And you have to be a leader. And I don't think that we've had that type of leadership down at the Board of Aldermen. They don't even have an agenda. I mean, for the sake of all was a report that came out a few years ago about how you change uh, the dynamics when it comes to equality and making St. Louis equitable for all. If I was the Board of Ultimate President at the time that that came out, guess what? That would have been my agenda, because I know at the end of the day, that's how you change the course of this city. When everyone is thriving, when everyone uh, can live a, a comfortable life in their neighborhoods. I- it's the, my leadership skills sets me apart from Lewis Reed.
0: You know, as I made reference to, I grew up, uh, Tam Avenue, my family still lives there. And one of the things that has always stood out to me, and I talk about it anytime somebody comes in when we're talking about the state of St. Louis, so to speak, is I noticed it when I was like six years old, bigotry, uh, drove me up the wall then. And it's one of the reasons why I think I spend so much time discussing the racial issues of St. Louis when I'm in here doing this show, um... Of course, there is a perspective, perspective. You made reference to the Del Mar divide. Perspective from the south side to the north side, the north side to the south side. I don't really know how anybody can solve it. But we, I guess, agree, of course, that it is there. What is your perspective on that On that divide?
1: We have had neighborhoods south of Del Mar. They were decaying in a major way. If you go and you look back at 39th and McCree, all you had was drug dealers. You had vacant buildings there, but someone had a plan for that area. And now, what you what we see now is gentrification. We 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 have the opportunity to see a lot of young white kids go back to the Grove area, the Shaw area. But at one point, it was the same look as North St. Louis. So we need someone on the board of Aldermen that truly understands so goes north, so goes south. So goes south, so goes the central corridors. Because at the end of the day, when we get the numbers about the murder rate at the end of the year, it's not, oh, we had 100 murders in South St. Louis. Oh, the city of St. Louis had approximately had 200 murders. So it's talking about the whole city. How we do it is we get someone down there that truly understands that North St. Louis can be revived. We can build North St. Louis up, but we have to want to do it.
0: Yeah, the, the, the MLS issue, I think, is something that was dividing some people. Um, a, a, where, where do you come in on, on the stadium and the, and the discussion that's been so prevalent here over, I guess, the last month or two? Louis Reed, uh, as you made reference to, uh, active in that, in that category.
1: You know, I'm not against the stadium. You know, I, I do believe that we give uh, too many subsidies uh, away and not get anything in return, okay? Just uh, the uh, Nashville, they did a, a stadium down there. I don't know if you're familiar with mm-hmm. it. But, but they talked about all of the things that Lewis Reed talked about in terms of how it was going to benefit the, the city. More people was going to come. They're going to shop at our restaurant. I mean, they're going to eat at our restaurants. They're going to shop at our stores. They're going to stay at our hotels. They said the same thing in Nashville. But guess what? They also did a community benefit agreement. And that community benefit agreement allowed for those individuals working at the stadium, fifteen dollars an hour, low-income housing surrounding the stadium, and an early childhood development center. I'm not saying we should we can get we should get all that, but I'm saying we should be able to have get something out of the deal other than it's going to create economic growth for uh, the city of St. Louis. But what about? the social aspect of the city? What about the things that's not happening in the city that someone like the Taylor family can say, listen, we're going to put millions of dollars towards the funding for after-school programs. A lot of children, they cannot even afford to go to Matthew Dickey's because their mothers cannot afford to pay. We need more funding for recreational facilities. And so I'm not against it, but I just believe that at the end of the day, we could have gotten
0: more. All of our guests on the Tim McKernan Show presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at evergreenstl.com. I have had a number of people since Mark started advertising on the show say to me via email or when I see him at events, you know what? I was hesitant to reach out just because I had a feeling it wasn't going to be great news. And then I did reach out. And not only is Mark an incredibly kind person, but he's so thorough. And then after talking with him, I felt better. And so if you are like I was for a number of years, well into my 30s, and feeling like, yeah, I just don't know what I'm doing with my money, I don't really know anything about it, people start talking about this or that, and I don't understand it, and I'm a little embarrassed, and that's where I was, then please, and I say it with just the utmost sincerity, go online to evergreenstl.com to find out more about Mark Hanna or just give him a call, 314-889-0503. If you want to get a clear picture of what you have, And if it's appropriate for your current financial needs, it just starts off with a phone call. 314-889-0503. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. Now, I guess guess some would say, well, the Taylors have donated a large amount of money throughout St. Louis, not just for the stadium. So are you talking about, in general, you would like to see some of the dollars that they're using to fund the stadium be allocated for some of these programs? Uh, Is that that what you're making reference to?
1: I'm saying that when you have, when you're giving, allowing, let me say allowing for real taxes to be waived to the tune of $26 million that would otherwise go towards the educational system, they should be able to look at our educational system and say they need more than just a million dollars. Okay. We have to. We have to. We have to turn the volume up when it comes to uh, tutoring for kids that's below proficiency in the areas of math and science. I mean, just get more involved in terms of changing the dynamics here in the city of St. Louis. We have children who are graduating from the kindergarten to the third grade not knowing how to read. Okay, they cannot even do math in the area in which they can get out of school. Or leave school after 12th grade, go to college, get out of college, and be able to get jobs at a cortex. They're not proficient in those areas.
0: So if you were president of Board Alderman when this was going on here over the last couple of months, what would you have done differently?
1: If we're, if we're going to give $1 away, let's put $2 towards all of the social ills that's plaguing the city of St. Louis. Okay.
0: Um, so with, with the MLS, that's certainly a topic of discussion. Uh, Megan Green, who is also running for the president of the board of aldermen, she has been, uh, one of two people who voted against that resolution you made reference to. How do you feel like you differ from Megan Green?
1: I'm more pragmatic. You know, I'm, I'm a person that tries hard to find a compromise. I'm a person that looks towards the middle course. I'm not an extremist. I don't go too far to the left or too far to the right. You know, she's more of a ideal law, you know, all these great ideals, but cannot execute. I'm a person that get things done. I'm a person that's willing to sit at the table and find a common cause, a common purpose and a common, you know, a solution to a problem.
0: As far as thought process on what you think is best for the region, would you say you line up more with Lewis Reed or with Megan Green? I'm not talking about actual pragmatism, so to speak, but vision.
1: I think we all want what's best for this city. However, I don't think that they work. They 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 work as hard as I would to make it happen. Mm.
0: Well, we had a unique situation with James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, and that is after working with him, doing his spots, I got to a point where I said, I have to make the switch to you, James, and I had to make the switch to him because uh, he did something really quickly uh, for us uh, that was important to Inside STL, and it was taken care of much more efficiently than uh, past experiences with other insurance companies, and I'm like, James, I got to switch to you. And then he's like, oh, I don't want you to do that if you're going to be an awkward spot with your current insurance guy. And I said, listen, I understand and I appreciate that. In other words, it wasn't like, yeah, I'll advertise with you if you switch your business over to me. That's where he was. But he was so good and his staff was so good that I had to make the switch. And it has been an absolute game changer for me and my wife, our family, And that's when it got down to it, what I thought I had to do. I had to take care of my family. And you can't leave yourself exposed in any capacity that could put your family in a bad spot, whether that be life insurance, whether that be disability insurance, or what we all know that we have to have insured, and that is, of course, home and auto insurance. James Carlton at 314-961-4800 or online at carltoninsurance.net. He makes sure that you call him during business hours. You are going to have your call answered. And how refreshing is that? Sounds very basic, but James goes above and beyond for what most companies are doing right now to make sure you know that the customer service you're going to get is better than any other place. And on top of that, he can save you money. Three one four nine six one forty eight hundred, 4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Working in, in Jefferson City, I would imagine, I mean, we always hear about the possibility of, oh, well, outstate Missouri doesn't really have a whole lot of love for St. Louis or Kansas City, but you're actually in Jefferson City and working with oftentimes politicians who are from outstate Missouri, so you do have experience in having to compromise with these people. How would you how would you make that work?
1: Well, I would make it work first uh, as the president of, of the Board of Aldermen by listening to um, my colleagues. Mm-hmm. Again, I believe that at the end of the day, as a Board of Ottoman president, you are responsible for that body success. Okay. So if I'm on the Board of VNA, the first thing that I would do if I was the president of the Board of Ottoman is I would I would reach out to my colleagues, the 14 Ottoman, well twenty eight Ottoman now, right. and ask them what what are your concerns? What do you what do you think we need to be doing with the budget? You know where where you think monies need to go, because they are the they're the frontliners. They're the ones that are in, down in their wards, talking to people every day about the issues that concerns them, be it street lights, be it paving the streets, whatever. So you have to be able to have a relationship with all of the members of the board, and it can't be you can't fight fight. That's all they do is fight now. They can't get anything done because they're always fighting with each other.
0: I had somebody say uh, they went down there and they watched it for the MLS thing. And they're like, man, I'm in I'm in awe of, you know, people are coming and going and not really paying attention and just was really amazed by actually seeing in person what it was. And disappointed, I think, would be the word that the person came away with. What would your description be?
1: I think that I would bring more decorum to the board. We will not allow lobbyists on the floor. They will have to go to the upper gallery. Uh, and um, there would be uh, protocol in terms of how you present bills on the floor. It's just right now it's just chaotic down there. Yeah. And, and I think that has a lot to do with the leadership and the lack thereof.
0: How would you describe what it's like in Jefferson City? Oh, my
1: God. It's <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me say this here. The House is like high school. And the Senate is like college. You go to to the House, it's like an animal house. It's wild, <laughs> you know. It's loud. People are screaming over each other. Uh, the um, the Senate much more decorum, yeah. M- respect. You know, you don't talk over your your colleague. You listen. You have you know fruitful debates. At the end of the day, you agree to disagree. Sometimes I just have to filibuster long <laughs> until they shut me down. You know, but 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 we but we're still friends after that.
0: Yeah. What, what was it like being down there during the Eric Greitens situation? Oh my God! <laughs> I mean, you've it been was, in you've been in the trenches. I'm just curious. I'm <laughs> I'm reading about it. I want to know what it's like.
1: <laughs> I mean, it was it was really bad. Yeah. I mean, the Republicans they were able to get a lot done though. I, that that was you know very telling. They were really focused on their priorities, even though they had a lot going on within their party. Um. Uh, but it was it was bad, you know, mm. right? I mean, he would come try to twist arms, and he was a different type of man, <laughs> now,
0: to say the mean? least. Now, what does that mean? I got, was... When I saw his commercials when he was running the primary, I'm like, oh, man, this is the kind of guy who I worry can win, even though I feel like it's clearly transparent what's going on with the campaign. And then when he won, I'm like, oh, no, here we go. So I'm curious. You got to – I don't know how much you worked with him, but you got to at least be around him and then all of the – that played out.
1: You know, he came with a lot of charisma, but he really didn't know anything about politics and the way that, you know, he would come down uh, and try to twist arms and whatnot and talk. He just talked reckless to, you know, senators. And we were like, he really doesn't know what what's going on here. You know, we can, we can, we can veto his bills. So, you know, I mean, he really didn't have a true understanding uh, as to how you deal with elected officials, yeah. uh, and 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 he wasn't cordial at all when things wasn't going his way. Uh,
0: how uh, would you describe the uh, current inhabitant of the governor's mansion? Now, in contrast,
1: well, we, I served with him for ten years, yeah. you know? so you knew. We, him. We, I have a, yeah, we, I have a working relationship yeah. with uh, Governor Parson. Right, he's a nice guy. He listens, and uh, he's sincere about you know wanting to. Help the city of St. Louis. I truly believe that.
0: He's sincere yeah, it about seems it. like he's been around a good amount. I mean, maybe that He's
1: just, hanging out in St. Louis a lot. Yeah, right? That's all
0: right. Good. Then I got a good read.
1: Yeah. He kind of reminds me of Peter Kinder. Peter <laughs> Kinder used to hang out in St. Louis like that.
0: Absolutely. So when you when you take a step back and you know that people are talking, you know, I just read the, I don't know if you read the article this morning. It's in the New York Times regarding mid-sized cities and how some political decisions have really cost some cities whereas other cities have benefited. Nashville being used an example. And the foil in the story was Birmingham. Um, and people talk about the political decisions they made. I guess it was in the 60s in Nashville um, to merge the city and the county. We've heard a lot about that over the last five or six years around here, more so than the previous 20 or so years. What's your opinion on that topic, Senator?
1: I have uh, been hearing a lot about city-county um, city, mer- city
0: merge. Yeah, what do you think?
1: I do believe that uh, we should collaborate more so than consolidate. Okay. We can collaborate with a lot of uh, depart- the departments, like the police department, fire department. I think collaboration is should be the first step.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Mark Manavani was in here and he was running for county executive, his vision uh, was somewhat of a compromise as well. Then you also have some people that say they just want it to happen, that it needs to happen. Um, What do you see as the pros for it happening? And what do you see as the cons for it to happen?
1: Well, I think that, you know, the pros, we would be able to, you know, have a a stronger budget Mm -hmm. overall, because we have a lot of Ladue money coming in, (laughs) Clayton money coming in, you know. So we would have a a stronger budget where we can look at a lot of uh, the issues that impact both city and county, like crime, Mm -hmm. like paving the streets, um, l- law enforcement raises, yeah. city worker raises, county worker raises, but the the, uh, the the con the cons. I just don't believe that we could convince Clayton Ledoux or Hazelwood to to come and col- uh, and, and consolidate out of fear of crime hitting the areas in which they live. I
0: mean, yeah, yeah. And I know I think that some people are going, I don't want to be part if I'm in the county of helping bail the city out of the city's problems. Now I feel like if we're all in it together, it lifts all the boats, but that I know is one of the battles that in a sense is currently being fought. I don't know how you can change minds on that. And St. Louis is oftentimes slow to, to change.
1: Yeah. And, and the question that, you know, that I will have for anyone is what would it look like? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what would it really look like?
0: Would I mean, St. Louis City see, become part of St. Louis County, Exactly, like Atlanta the, and Fulton County?
1: The 90-90-something municipalities, where they go away, right. the aldermen, where they go away right. here locally in the right. city. I mean, what would it look like? Right. I mean, what would the budget look like? I mean, How would the, uh, the um, elections occur? I mean, those are the type of things that I have yet to... You know to to hear from those individuals that are pushing it right and maybe maybe once they once they give us a vision of what it would look like then then the, a lot of people they probably can sell it to yeah.
0: I'm curious because you actually have been in the trenches you've been in Jefferson City running here in in the city of St. Louis for the president of Board of Aldermen, when you look around whether it be at the state level, whether it be at the federal level, whether it be in St. Louis, whether it be St. Louis County, who are some people or a person outside of yourself? Of course, you look at and you go. I really like respect what this person is doing here. because oftentimes we come in here and we'll have conversations and sometimes people talk about a lack of, of leadership, of foresight. Is there anybody that you look at with whom you've worked or you just look at from afar and you go, I really appreciate what this man, this woman is doing for St. Louis, St. Louis County, the state, whatever the case might be in your experiences.
1: Yeah. Um, I have a great amount of respect for Eric Schmidt treasurer. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a visionary. He knows how to get things done. I have a great amount of respect for... Well, let me say this here. I have a lot of respect for a many of those elected officials that live in the city on the state level because they fight extremely hard. Bruce Franks is a person I have respect for. Mm-hmm. I have a respect for... I have respect for Megan Green. I have a lot of respect for Megan Green. She she really wants to try to change the uh the narrative here in the city of St. Louis.
0: How refreshing is this? Two people running against each other and one of the people say, I really respect this person. I have, this is I nice. Have,
1: I have a lot of respect for Megan Green. Yeah.
0: yeah. Is it is it then awkward to then, you know, I don't know if you're button heads, so to speak, but you're running against each other.
1: Well, I, I'm I think I believe that I'll be more effective than Megan Green, though, okay.
0: yeah. <laughs> in yeah. terms of
1: getting things done. Yeah,
0: no, and yeah. when it gets down to it, that's what it's all about. That's right. Well, for for our audience who uh, who listens to this, and, and I, that's, I'm telling you, uh, Senator, I get more questions about. I love when you have St. Louis-centric discussions more so than the sports stuff, which is great. It's fine with me uh, as as a lifelong St. Louis resident. A message you would like to convey to the people who are who may be hearing hearing from you in an extended conversation for the first time. Uh, especially if those people are going are city residents and are going to be voting?
1: I would just like them to know that I am very sincere. I believe in the city of St. Louis. I believe that we can be better than we are right now today. I do believe that if I'm elected four years, that there will be some drastic changes in the St. Louis area when it comes to reducing crime and a neighborhood development across the city, not just portions of the city. And I think that that's what they need to know. They need to know that I've served for 12 years on the state level. I've been able to uh, bring approximately $28 million back to the city for education, uh, crime reduction, reentry programs. So they need to know that I am very effective and I'm sincere and I want to see a change in St. Louis area because for far too long, a lot of neighborhood hoods have been left behind.
0: State Senator Jamila Nasheed with us here on the program. State Senator, we really, really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. So there it is. State Senator Jamila Nasheed with us here on the Tim McKernan Show from the com studios. Thank you to all of our sponsors for making the program possible That's Ryan Kelly, our studio sponsor online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Mark Hanna, our guest presenting sponsor online at evergreenstl.com. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Mike Judy of MikeJudyPresents.com. And Johnny Londoff, Chevrolet at Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit online at Londoff.com. I am telling you, if you need a car, new car, pre-owned car, need to get your car repaired, make sure that you are going to Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. The name in the market that I think is synonymous with St. Louis Automotive, but here's the other thing, the family. Generations of Landoff still work there, and when I'm out there, I feel like I'm working at a family business. I'm working with a family business. I feel like I'm working with a family business. It's Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, online at landoff.com. Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit, we made sure we got our... Uh, car, new car from Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. And we sincerely ask that you do the same as well. It's Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. Thank you for listening. As always, thank you to Gangster Pete for putting everything together, for Iggy for booking our guests, and for State Senator Jamila Nasheed for joining me in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network.